So, you know, if you're returning to the show, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, I am an actor extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, yes. And um, what I want to talk about today is um, the world of film noir. Film noir. That's not some, you know, black movement. <laughs> Some radicalized, you know, hashtag Oscar so white, black actor movement, film noir. Now, let me give you a little bit of a definition of what film noir is for all your bozos out there that don't know. So this is a rundown, some terminology on film noir from Wikipedia dot org make sure to donate <laughs> all right film noir is a cinematic term used primarily to describe stylish hollywood's crime dramas particularly those that emphasize cynical attitudes and sexual motivations Ooh. The 1940s and 1950s are generally regarded as the classic period of American film noir. Film noir of this era is associated with low-key, black-and-white visual style that has roots in German expressionist cinema photography. Many of the prototypical stories and much of the attitude of classic noir derive from the hard-boiled school of crime fiction that emerged in the United States during the Great Depression. The term film noir, French for black film, and I ain't talking shaft. You're damn right. Who's the private dick that makes love to all the chicks? Shaft. Just talking about Shaft. Shaft is the man. We're not talking like black exploitation film. We're talking like literally the color black in terms of like a lighting scheme, darkness and light. Film noir. You're damn right. The term film noir, French for black film, literal, or dark film, closer meaning, was first applied to Hollywood films by French critic Nino Frank in 1946, but was unrecognized by most American film industry professionals of that era. Cinema historians and critics define the category retrospectively. Before the notion was widely adopted in the 1970s, many of the classic film noir were referred to as melodramas. Whether film noir qualifies as a distinct genre is a matter of ongoing debate among scholars. Film noir encompasses a range of plots. The central figure may be a private investigator, a plainclothes policeman, an aging boxer, a hapless grifter, a law-abiding citizen lured into a, into a life of crime, or simply a victim of circumstance. Although film noir was originally associated with American productions, the term has been used to describe films from around the world. Many films released from the 1960s onward 
share attributes with films of noir of the classic period and often treat its conventions self-referentially. Some refer to such later-day works as neo-noir, not neo-Nazi. The cliches of film noir have inspired parody since the mid-1940s. That's film noir in a teardrop, in a teacup, you know, film noir. It's um, that gritty world of classic cinema, 1940s, 1950s, that hard, boiled, down-at-heel, gumshoe, lousy, shamus, you know, private investigator, private eye, private dick, you know. It's a world of cynicism, that seedy underbelly, cheap grifters, soused drunks, dive bars, plumes of smoke, you know, gambling, degeneracy, shadows, darkness, light, dark corners, sharp angles. Yeah. And visually, the main defining thing visually is that what they call painting with light. These beautiful shots that really emphasize darkness and light, the way in which they set up the lighting to cast a long shadow, to cut to cut across a person's face, to emphasize a certain mood, to really emphasize that gritty, hard-boiled, cynical mood in the genre of film noir. And, and, and a lot of these stories are very much, um, you know, crime, seedy underbelly, you know? You know, a missing person, um, a spouse cheating, um, a dead body appears, you know, all these very dark themes in these cynical stories, film noir. And um, part of what I'm doing in my career, I have recently started my own production company, Noi Productions. Yeah, Noi Productions. Um, as I mentioned, I am an actor, performer, and I lived a very um, struggling artist type of lifestyle. I went to theater school. I got a diploma in theater arts. I banged it out, hoofed it out, humped it out as an actor. Coming up as a youngin, came in the game as a youngin, pocket full of something, yo, cash money. Came in the game as a youngin, doing like, you know, junior high, high school plays, projects. Went on to theater school in college, did independent film, did independent theater, you know, tried to grind away the best I could. And I also lived that um, artistic lifestyle, you know, living on a shoestring, living on a cheese string, you know, just... Drunk, high around the clock, um, 
living life as a grimy, real life grimy. Now the trouble's behind me, you know, just soaked in booze, chain smoking cigarettes, you know, chasing pussy, you know, sorry to be so crass, you know, and, um, you know, just really living on a cheese string, really living on a shoestring. And that is actually, coincidentally, as we're speaking about film noir, I was living a very grifter type lifestyle as a struggling artist. And there's a romanticism there. There's this world of intrigue and illusion where being a soused, debauched, depraved, derelict, you know, down and out type of a performer is romantic because the suffering adds to the performance. Eh, there may be something to that. But generally speaking, it all comes around to hard work. Comes down to it. Because performing is a business of um, time, patience, and craftsmanship. You got to hone your talents. Focus and challenge and channel your talents. That takes a lot of hard work. And the romanticism of the stumbling, bumbling drifter. I mean, I think the allure there is it makes it feel very personal to the audience. It makes it feel like they found somebody, they championed somebody, they pulled somebody out of the rubble and made them their star. It kind of adds a bit of a personal touch. But it's also like a romanticism in that you know, struggle, strife, and pain add to the creation of a performance and that any hapless bozo who fucks around can strike it lucky in showbiz. That's the allure, I think. That It's very much along the lines of like, you know, those talent shows like those those singing shows, I don't know the names of them, like America's Got Talent. Well, I guess I know some of the names. The America's Got Talent, uh, The Voice. You know those shows where they pluck these people out of obscurity? You know, they go up there, they do a song and dance. My life's so hard. I come from this, I come from that. I lived in a car, this, that, and the other. And I knew that just one day, if I could get the chance, I could stand on stage and belt out the tunes. And they shuffle them out in front of the judges and... And they hit the buzzer. I knew immediately when I heard you sing that rendition of um, Spinning Wheel. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel, ride a painted pony, let the music mother burn. Bing. I knew as soon as I heard your rendition of Spinning Wheel that you were going to be the next... Uh, Rick Asley. I knew it. And you are going to be a star. And everybody at home, the 45 million plus viewers. Oh, wow. I too can someday make it lucky. Like that's the allure of the starving artist. That any old idiot can make it. That's really what the allure is. It's not so much that, oh, this person is so talented and despite the circumstances, they overcame. 
That's not quite the story of the starving artist, the allure, in my opinion. I think the allure is like, it's like, yo, any idiot can win the lottery. And I think that's why a lot of people champion that idea of the starving artist, the struggling artist, the Jimi Hendrix, the Janis Joplins, the Kurt Cobains, the... These are people that were very talented and yo, they hit the daily double. Like they could have just easily have died. Nobody losers choking on their own vomit pre um, being discovered. You could, you could just as easily die anonymously or wither out into obscurity living that lifestyle as you can striking it lucky it just adds to the story and what made them so beautiful and multifaceted and alluring as a performer really didn't have anything to do with the drugs and the alcohol it, it was the talent within them and it was the hard work they did i mean kirk cobain um jimmy hendrix they're guitar players they are noticeably and recognized guitar players. I'm sorry, getting drunk and stoned all day is not the same as painstakingly learning how to play guitar, painstakingly playing with, um, you know, effects, finding their sound, dialing it in. A lot of people don't know, like I'm a bass guitar player. And, you know, as a hobbyist and part of playing is not just learning the technical aspects of a guitar or an instrument. A lot of it, too, is the tone, the searching for tone. How do you string the instrument? How do you tune it? How do you dial in the right sound with your amp and your effects pedals? How do you get that tone? A lot of the tone that you hear in a live performance or in a recording it doesn't just come factory out of the box. You got to be able to set it up, tweak it. Seriously. I mean, you hear an instrument, you hear a guitar, you hear a bass on a recording and, oh, that sounds good. Maybe I could just go buy one and create the same sound. It takes a knowledge of, you know, guitar amps, effects, and also the bare bones skill of knowing how to play. There's a lot that goes into it. So to say that, oh, because they got drunk and high and they were living a tortured artist lifestyle. <laughs> to say that they were crying and wetting the bed every day, half drunk, stoned out of the gills. You know, it doesn't really account for what was really appealing about them, which was their talent. So that's very much what I'm doing with Noi Productions. I'm stepping out of the box of my, um, you know, troubled past. And, uh, you know, troubled, informative, wouldn't trade it for the world past. Couldn't trade it for the world. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone. In the dark of night, when the thing is bright, no one knows. It comes and goes, 
goodbye, Ruby Tuesday. Who could put a name on you when you change with every new day? Still, I'm gonna miss you. Wouldn't trade it for the world even if I could. You know, it taught me how to be a man. In my version of manhood. And, um, you know, stepping out of that box of a troubled past as a tortured artist. And, um, you know, trying to reach for the art within me. You know, loving the art in me versus loving myself in the art. That's a difference. You know what I mean? When you love the art that is within you, it's like that need, that desire, that push to create, that compulsion to create versus loving yourself in the art. I'm an artist. I get drunk and smoke cigarettes and I babble on like an idiot at bars and I walk around all eclectic with my eclectic friends doing eclectic things. I'm an artist. Hogwash, mumbo jumbo, you know? It's about loving the art inside of you versus yourself in the art. That's very much what I'm doing with Noi Productions, the production company that I recently started. And um, what I want to get into is um, some of the things that have inspired me. You know, um, I want to make more podcasts, you know, of various content, various nature, various guests. I want to do documentaries, feature films, just want to wet my beak, so to speak. And film noir. That's at like the top of my list. I've been a major fan of film noir. And there are some classic, classic films that to this day stand the test of time and have really inspired me in my performing endeavors. Um, this is a DVD. If you still buy DVDs, folks, you can get this on Amazon for like, uh, I don't know, like, Around 20 bucks. I'll post a link. This is like a four pack DVD for around 20 bucks of some of the most classic film noirs out there. And why I bought this DVD was because I was getting that hunkering, getting that yearning to see some of these films. You can't really stream them on like YouTube or Netflix or, you know, any major platform. They don't really. They're not easy to find on any streaming service and you can buy it, own a physical copy of it, you know, for like 20 bucks. So, you know, it's a good investment if you're like, you know, somebody who wants to check out some great classic film, classic noirs. And for myself, this is like replay value that I could have for the rest of my life. I can watch these films over and over again. I've watched them dozens of times already. And we're talking about some of the classics here. We're talking the Maltese Falcon. Yes. The Maltese Falcon starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, um, Peter Lorre, Sidney Greenstreet, 
directed by John Huston. Major, the Maltese Falcon. That is like one of the most classic film noirs imaginable. Then we're talking about um, The Big Sleep, also starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, you know, his uh, wife. I don't know if they were married at the time, but they eventually did get married. Classic Hollywood couple. And that was directed by um, Howard Hawks. Then we got, um, I never really knew this one. I recently saw it for the first time, but it's still a classic film noir. The Postman Always Rings Twice, starring Lana Turner and John Garfield. Directed by Tay Garnett. Classic film noir. Very gritty, very um, entertaining, inspiring, you know, if you're into that genre. And last of all, this isn't quite a film noir, but it's in the style. It's actually shot in color. Uh, I forget what they call it, like panorama scope. You know, like back in the day when they did Cinescope. You know, I ain't such a... I don't know so much about that, but, you know, it was shot in color. But it was very much in the style of the hard-boiled, whodunit, seedy underbelly, hard-boiled, cynical genre of film noir, even though it was filmed in color. And this is a classic. This one's a banger as well. Dial M for Murder, starring uh, Ray Milland, Ray Milland, Grace Kelly, and um, yeah, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Classic. I love Alfred Hitchcock. Psycho. Rope. Uh, the Birds. Um, I'm kind of blanking here. Alfred Hitchcock Presents. The Alfred Hitchcock Hour. Um, Vertigo. Um, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. The master of suspense. And suspense is very much a key integral part of film noir. And um, again, you could check this out. This is a DVD called Silver Screen Icons, Murder Mysteries. Silver Screen Icons, Murder Mysteries. You can get it for like roughly $20 Canadian on Amazon. I recommend it because, yeah, it's kind of a fading out technology dvds but you can get it for 20 bucks you get the four pack and um it's not as if these films are easily accessible online i've looked for them you know like netflix doesn't stream them i don't think crave or hbo streams them not many streaming sites stream them so if you want to see it and then also have it for the replay value it's a great investment 20 bucks you get four classic film noirs and you know such replay value on it and you know so definitely um film noir at some point i'm going to um do a an extended deep dive i want to do some impersonations i want to do some 
homework and, you know, have some facts and images and really do a good tribute to the whole film noir genre and share it with y'all because um, it's such a beautiful genre. And I want to, in the future, with Noi Productions, do some of that myself and, you know, see what I can contribute to the genre. Um, man, stylistically and thematically, thematically and stylistically, just such a full, impactful genre. Film noir. So that's what's kind of been on my mind as an actor as of late. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire.